0: Hello and welcome to Maximu, a podcast about theater and performance in New York City. This is Lindsay Behrens. I have been away for many months. I was helping a friend who ran for mayor of Salt Lake City. That's my hometown. But I'm back now and I am so happy to be here. First things first, I am extremely grateful to Nicole Saratori for managing the podcast. She did a fantastic job and it flourished under her leadership. Do not worry, listeners. Nicole's not going anywhere. She will still be a regular contributor to the podcast. This week, we have a preview of what's to come in December, and there's a lot to look forward to. Enjoy the show. Okay, everybody ready? We are. Back to the podcast. Let's do. Let's start with introductions, David.
1: Hey, this is David Levy, and uh, these days you can find me at reviews250.tumblr.com.
0: Tell us what that is.
1: Uh, this is a new project that I'm doing where uh, in order to practice brevity, I am writing uh, theater reviews in 250 words or less.
0: Ooh. Are other people also writing them there or just you? Just me so far. Are um, other people welcome to join?
1: I suppose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was like a thing where you wanted oh lots gosh, of people yes. to participate or. I mean,
1: it, honestly, this is stri- like it started strictly as a as sort of a. I need to get better at writing short, so I'm going to give myself a place to do that where other people will judge me um, (sighs) because that'll make me do it better. Mm -hmm. But if other people are interested, uh, it's certainly on a platform that is easy enough to add other people to, so. Cool. Let me know.
0: Awesome, and we have a new contributor, Shavanna. Yay.
2: I'm Shavanna Calder. I am currently the editor of Arts and Color, which is a website about people of color in theater. So you can find us at artsandcolor.com. You can find us on Facebook and also at Twitter, uh, which it's the handle is Arts and Color. So
0: cool! Welcome. Yeah, thank you. And I'm Lindsay, the lost founder of Maximo. <laughs> <laughs> We are here to do a preview episode for things we are looking forward to seeing in December, which I believe we do not. Oh, no. I was going to say we do not have a single holiday related show, but I have one. And I do as well. You also do. And you also do? I don't. You don't. Okay. So I you mean, have a except that, except
1: that musical theater is always a holiday for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Lovely. All right. Well, David, why don't you get us started?
1: All right. Uh the first show we're going to talk about today is These Paper Bullets, which has an exclamation point, although it's not technically a musical in the sense that the exclamation point might have you believe it is. Um it is a contemporary-ish retelling of Much Ado About Nothing set in the 60s in Britain during the mod movement. Um, so it sort of rethinks these characters as though they are members of the Beatles. Um, so there are songs and it's original music by Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Um, but again, it's not like they, from what I understand, it's not like they burst out into song to, to share their feelings. It's more like they're in a band. And so we get to hear the music that the band performs. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I did go to a, a panel discussion where the director talked about it a little bit. Uh, the director is Jackson Gay. Um, who you might remember because she previously directed the intelligent design of Jenny Chow, which is by the same playwright of these paper bullets, Roland Jones. Um, and she talked about the use of music in the show. And I think maybe towards the end, there's one of those moments where um sort of what happens on stage blends with what's happening in the characters' lives and their songs take on double meanings. But it's not, it's more of a play with music than a, a musical with a capital M. Um, that said, I am really excited to see it because I love Much Ado About Nothing, being of the exact age to have discovered Shakespeare at the time when Kenneth Branagh's excellent movie of that play was in theaters. Um, and I love the Atlantic theater. Um, and uh I think they're on a roll this season and I'm hoping that this continues it. Um and I feel like I should say something about the cast, and I am totally blanking on who's in this play, and it does not the casting say. is super
0: interesting. Because Justin Kirk is in it.
1: Oh, and we like him. <laughs> I adore
0: him. I had no idea that he had any musical abilities, but mm. he does indeed sing and play musical instruments in um, the play. And then. Oh,
1: Brian Finkhart, who I really liked in Nobody Loves You, who is also um, in the tour of Memphis, uh, is in this. And
0: the person at the top of that.
1: Uh, James Barry.
0: yes he's from bloody bloody um, and he's fantastic he plays the drummer in the band
1: Stephen DeRosa who is hysterical he was recently um, in on the town playing a bunch of small parts but um, musical nerds remember him from the Will Finn Joe's pub concert infinite joy where he did um, his one-man rendition of the baseball scene from falsettos which is a (sighs) classic of cabaret (laughs) Um, there are also some women in this show, I believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's scroll down and see who they are. Um, but there's only one, Kira Naughton. No,
0: there have to be at least two, and there are more.
1: Uh, there's only one who has a big enough part to be listed on the website with a headshot.
0: I think the way Atlantic does their website, you have to go to the next page. It's very difficult, uh, unnecessarily so.
1: Not, oh, there it is. We are super prepared this morning <laughs> to bring you the best of previews. Um, Oh, there's some other ladies Uh, Nicole Parker, Ariana Venturi These are not people I know Liz Wiesan Um, But I'm sure they're great (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes (laughs)
1: Um, So anyway uh, This show is currently in previews They had sort of a a moving target of an opening date I, I know that I and a couple of my friends tried to get them to let us know when it opens um via Twitter because I like to I like to buy tickets for late in previews um so that it's in a final form but often a little bit easier to get seats mm-hmm. um and they were like well it's opening sometime around the date of so um I I I I think it opens sometime in like the second week of December, but I don't know if there's I mean by now there must be an opening date, but I do not know what it is. Um but I, I'm going on December twelfth, so let's assume that it opens sometime after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. That's definitely something I've been looking forward to since it played up at Yale Rep and was very warmly received up there. And, and I also I... had a run out at the Geffen in yeah. LA. And oh, I nice. loved American Idiot and so I just music by Billy Joe Armstrong is a big draw for me. Yeah, me too. Cool. all right what's next next
1: is
2: mother courage and her children at classic stage company um i am particularly excited about this because tanya pinkins is starring it i love her and yes i love her i've loved her for so long um but i was really first introduced to her uh in carolina change which was the first show that i did when i was at school in boston and um yeah I mean learned so much about her so I'm excited to see her in this also because it is a show that is um a bit of a classic show and they're taking a spin on it and placing it in uh the Congo and the cast has a bunch of people of color which is great and something that I clearly advocate for and the music is by Duncan Cheek which I think like you know let's see how that goes Hmm.
0: yeah but not a musical, a play with music, or it is a musical. It is a musical. Oh, interesting. Oh, wait, for real? Yeah.
1: Interesting.
0: Classic Stage has done a couple of things with Duncan Sheik.
1: Yeah. He's having a big year, too. He's got two shows on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, one now, one coming, and this, and he had a piece in the Sondheim Liaisons project.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I love... <laughs> I love getting to see her in all of the venues that she performs in in the city and classic stage I find their stage to be a more intimate setting so I'm excited um about getting a chance to see her do that.
1: This is such a good part for her too. Mm-hmm. She she just can can so like dominate a stage yes. and and this is exactly one of those characters where mm-hmm. like she I, it, uh, it's just like whoever had the idea to pair her with this piece is brilliant. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm excited. Yes, that one sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, next I'm going to talk about Marjorie Prime, which is a new play by Jordan Harrison at Playwrights Horizons, directed by Ann Kaufman. Uh, this was a Pulitzer Prize finalist this past year. Um, but the reason I'm mostly excited for it is because it is starring Lois Smith who was just absolutely brilliant in Annie Baker's John. And so I'm just excited to get her to see her on stage again so soon. There's a great write-up in the New York Times about how busy she has been. She's 85. She is super spry and busy as ever. So she plays a character who is losing her mind and, uh, or she's losing her memory, excuse me, not her mind. She's losing her memory and um, her family sets her up with this artificial intelligence hologram to remind her of things and to keep her company. It has a very sci-fi element to it. This is supposed to be a great play. They're making a movie out of it, which I think is an interesting development. Um. Also starring Lois Smith. Uh, so I'm just very excited about it. It's in previews now. It opens December 14th and it's 80 minutes, no intermission. Yeah. <laughs> a play that long. Love that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just thinking, oh, and it's in their bigger theater with the more comfortable seats. <laughs> yeah. That's important. Seating is so important it's a common theme on the podcast it is an obsession yeah yeah
0: and i'll talk more about this later but we're gearing up for our end of the year podcast where we kind of do a little um review best of worst of Mm -hmm. and then we take listener comments or questions Mm -hmm. um no less than two entries for what are the most comfortable seats in the city (laughs) so anyway listeners this is a brief interlude, but if you have questions that you've been dying to ask the podcast co-hosts, do send them to us via Twitter, Facebook, or email at lindsayatmaximu.com. Okay, up next, David.
1: All right, next is Once Upon a Mattress at the Transport Group. Um, this is like the perfect storm of things that get me excited about theater. Um, Once Upon a Mattress is a show from the 60s uh, by Mary Rogers and Marshall Baer, Um, and uh also jay Thompson and Dean Fuller, who wrote the book with marshall bear um it is so the reason that I love once upon a mattress is because my older brother was in it when he was in high school, so it's one of the earliest shows I remember seeing. um it was originally a vehicle for Carol Burnett um where uh it started actually it's fascinating. it started as a summer camp show um that was like so popular at camp that a producer put money into making it into a full length show for New York. Hmm. um the original production was so successful that it like it ran long enough that it transferred, I think, to two other theaters beyond the one that it started at. Um, it's been done for television three times with with Carol Burnett each time, although the third time she played a different role. Hmm. Um, it is just it is a hysterical uh, um retelling of the story of the Princess and the Pea with sort of a borscht belt sensibility. Um, and so it is uh. Particularly appropriate that stepping into the Carol Burnett role this time is Jackie Hoffman, who is basically the living embodiment of the Borscht Belt in 2015. <laughs> um, she's the first to tell you that she is way too old to play Princess Winterford, but I think that's gonna make it really funny. Um, it is uh the character in the show is someone who is like awkward and loud and pushy, and so it's really perfect for her sort of crotchety old Jew per- persona. Um, and she's going to be matched um, by uh, her co-star playing the queen uh, who is John Epperson, better known as Lipsinka. Um, so it's just, you know, this is a show, we don't need another revival of Once Upon a Mattress. Last time it was on Broadway, it was a disaster. with Sarah Jessica Parker in a mm. tragically unfunny production by Gerard Guterres. Um, But, but if you're going to do it again, you need a new take on it. And so like, an old princess, a drag queen queen, um, and the Transport Group, which always does really great, great work, and particularly with um, revivals where they're very good at, at giving a, a new set of eyes and a new spin to it. Um, it's a great, it's a great cast. Um, Hunter Ryan who who is in the Little Night Music revival, is in it. Uh, Zach Resnick, who we recently saw in Piece of Our Heart, um, uh, just great great people is a small ensemble it's like 12 people i think and it's at abram's art center um which is worth the schlep if you're like i don't want to go all the way down to lower east side totally is make a day of it go get lunch at cats whatever <laughs> um and it's just it's it's a fun show it's a funny show it's a tuneful score it'll leave you humming um and these are like great big personalities and a show that can support great big personalities
2: cool it's awesome Yay! Next up, Color Purple, which I recently saw, but it doesn't open until December. And um, I have to say, initially, when I heard that they were reviving it, I was like, really? I feel like this just happened. Like, this literally just happened. Um, So I went, and I, I mean, I loved it. I mainly loved Cynthia Erivo. I, everyone that I talked to, I've been saying, get your tickets so you can see Cynthia Erivo because, oh, who's playing Seely? Um, she, I mean, she has to be nominated. Like if she's not nominated, I don't know what's going on in the world. Um, she is, she originally did the production, uh, in London and she is English and she really is one of the best I've seen in a really long time when it comes to vocals uh, and also acting. Of course, Jennifer Hudson is in it as well, and um, Danielle Brooks. And uh, Danielle Brooks is, is wonderful. So I would say, you know, even though it kind of seems like it might be early to have a revival of this show, the new take on it and Cynthia Rivo in it makes it absolutely worth it. So,
1: So I know that part of the, like, Idea behind the show is that it's mm-hmm. a a stripped down, mm-hmm. more bare bones production. What does that what does that actually mean in terms of like what you're going to see on stage?
2: I mean, you're not going to see much. <laughs> really, <laughs> is what that means. Um, it literally like what you think of when you think what is the most minimal set props everything. There's not there aren't a ton of costume changes. It's really all about the people on stage and the story being told. Um which I think because Cynthia is in it, along with some really standout um ensemble performances as well, it works. It's great to just be able to focus on her and she brings so much to it. Um, but yeah, it is very, very minimalist. Kind of like if if anyone saw Porgy and Bess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I I think in a way like the set design and the simplicity of the costumes, it's it's very similar. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the show. It's uh Cynthia.
0: and if folks are interested in that, they should act quickly because it's selling very well and mm-hmm. it's and not once going to come be out, like, it's not going to be easy to get tickets. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So get on that if you are interested in that. Get it. Okay, this is a complete change in direction from that, <laughs> but one of my very favorite solo performers, Daniel Kitson is coming to New York City uh, from the UK and bringing a Christmas show, which um, I've not seen it. Um, I've heard a little bit about it. He's a storyteller, stand-up comedian. Um, One of the most amazing theater experiences of my life was the first show I saw of his. It was just completely amazing. Um, And he is doing this... Christmas show that he describes. I'll just read you his own description. If you are if, if you have interest in this performer, I highly recommend signing up for his email listserv because they, each email is its own art project. Um, but he says, the show itself is a simple storytelling affair that is, if you'll forgive me for saying so, pretty lovely and deals <laughs> with all your archetypical seasonal fare which is to say loneliness a brief scuffle in a news agent's mobile phones tradition magic the past and a long journey in a mid-sized motorhome this is at the Connolly theater which is where we just saw um the lisps futurity over in the east village um i did double check there are still tickets available but i would expect this to sell out pretty quickly um I just, I cannot recommend one of his performances enough. He is a fantastic performer. He is someone who I would go to see every time he's in town. I would even travel some considerable distances to see him, although I have never flown to the UK to see him. But Nicole has. Yes, she has. (laughs) (laughs) So highly, highly, highly recommend. The tickets, I think, are about $25 with a pretty minimal service fee. So I just... I normally would avoid a holiday show. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I will follow Daniel Kitson to any topic anywhere.
1: Sweet. Yeah. Um, all right. So I realized that we before the podcast started, we had talked about what order we, we were. totally do messed in. it up. Yeah. And like I was the one who was like, let's talk about the order, and then I was the one to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Anyway. Uh School of Rock on Broadway. Guys, I am so excited to tell you that. There's a new Andrew Lloyd Webber musical on Broadway, (laughs) and it is literally his best work in 20 years. Wow. Um, School of Rock, based on the film that we all remember with Jack Black, is now at the Winter Garden. Um, Music by Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Glenn Slater, book by Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey fame, directed by Lawrence Connor, who directed the Les Mis revival. And what I think is really interesting, and I hadn't put together until thinking about it for today, is that what he did exceptionally well for this show is get out of the way. Mm. Um, and like, when you think about most of Andrew Lloyd Webber's big hits, they are, they are very director heavy. Like Phantom is, you know, as much hell Prince's show as it is Andrew Lloyd Webber's show. And like, when you think about cats or Starlight Express or sense of boulevard you think about big physical production and school of rock is like very elegantly directed. And, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, perfectly lovely sets and costumes but it's not no one is walking away from the show talking about anything other than the performances and that um is in part because the performances are fantastic but also because uh the director kind of got out of the way and let let this show be the show um but this is a preview show not a review show <laughs> and um what i can tell you is that Alex Brightman um steps into the Jack Black part um and uh really I think it's a good balance between um giving a Jack Black performance and giving an Alex Brightman performance. Um, there's a tremendous group of kids who are all playing their own instruments on stage. Um, and in many ways upstaging all of the adults in the way that um you would sort of hope they would. Um, without ever being that kind of obnoxious thing that kids on stage can sometimes be. <laughs> um, yeah, it look, it's it, I went to an early preview with um a friend and her seven-year-old and um this is a show i've been telling everyone like if you have a ki- access to a child <laughs> <laughs> um then this, that's the way to see this show Aww. um it's just uh you know it's it, it's just like a breath of joy um and and it, sometimes we need a little bit of that so uh school of rock there you go That's my my really bad attempt at trying to preview, not review a show that I already saw and really liked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is really hard. Cool. Uh, Yeah. So first, Noel, I guess, will be my show for the holiday season. And it's a world premiere and it's a musical. Um, I'm excited for this show. I mean, other than... I love musicals and it's world premiere, so yay. Um, (laughs) But because it's a new musical and it's written by uh, two New York City artists, one of them being Jason Michael Webb, who worked on The Color Purple. Um, He also worked on Violet, I believe, and Motown. And it's just, I mean, it's going to be up at the Apollo and it's uh, also being done with Classics or Classic Theater of Harlem. And so I just think it's really great that those two organizations are coming together and embracing this new work. The cast is supposed to be awesome. The voices in it, especially Um, the first person that comes to mind is Michael Kilgore, who's also been in Motown and hair and a bunch of other stuff. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's cool that there's going to be sort of like this new thing that they hope will be a standard that's Uh, gonna happen at the Apollo soundstage and that it is this new work um, and that there's a lot of diversity in the cast and the creative team as well so
1: is it a nativity story or is it a
2: no it's it's um, the story of these uh, generations of families essentially I think dealing there there's a child in the family named Noel who's the first Noel and they lost her and so it's them coming together around that and healing from that Mm. and you know, all of the family healings that tend to happen around the holidays when you bring everyone together, um, accompanied with some great music. So yeah.
0: Nice. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I'll wrap it up with the final of our new shows that we're previewing with something that sounds really weird, but I'm going to go see it. Um, (laughs) it's called broken bone bathtub. And it is a solo show by a performer named Siobhan O'Loughlin. I know how to say Siobhan and not say Siobhan. I do not know if I pronounced the last name correctly. So I apologize for that. Um, so I believe this artist uh, was injured in a bike accident. And um, then she developed this show based on that. Or at least that's the how I get the description. And it takes place in a private home in the bathroom in a bathtub. So it's a very small audience. For a (laughs) small audience of six to eight people and the audience assists the cast clad artist in the actual ritual of taking a bath which I think sounds super weird and makes me really uncomfortable. Oh, and thus, my. I am forcing myself to go see it. Absolutely. It's being... Next
1: time I need home health care, I'm selling tickets to people <laughs> yeah.
0: to
1: get them to do it for me. Yes.
0: I don't believe she is currently suffering from the injury. She has performed this show around the world mm, in the gotcha. UK and Japan. Um, and So
1: just wearing a cast for the hell of it. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I think for the purposes of the performance. Um, Elephant Run District, which is a uh, locally-based... Theater company that, um, in the process of starting Maximu, I became friendly with are producing it here. Um, it is taking place in um, a, a private home um, in sort of the northern Manhattan, Harlem area. Um, and also, I think there's a location in Park Slope. They may be adding additional locations to the run. I love the idea of theater taking place in homes uh, as something I'm very, very interested in. Mm-hmm. I have long talked about wanting to um, run a living room festival that was just like different artists performing in my living room, which in this small studio space we're in right now is not possible. <laughs> but someday when I have a larger New York City apartment, I hope mm-hmm. to uh, do that. So I'm just fascinated by this um i already bought my ticket because i knew if i didn't i would probably wimp out (laughs) (laughs) and i just think it sounds fascinating it does sound fascinating (laughs) yeah i have so many
2: questions are you standing the whole time what's the run time like what exactly is gonna
0: happen i I know all those things you have
1: to touch her is she naked like right
0: don't know the answers to any of these oh my questions. my Just going.
1: Well, wait till I do my sequel, which is called Messy Ass Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Which
1: the audience is invited to wipe.
0: <laughs> That's disgusting, David.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
0: All right. Now, I do want to... Um... I wanted to mention, it. It's, it's Thanksgiving weekend as we record this. It'll be Wednesday most likely as it comes out. Um, and Tuesday, in between those two dates, is Giving Tuesday. So a lot of theater companies out there are doing fundraising campaigns. And we do have a tradition of occasionally mentioning when some of our favorite artists are involved in such matters. Um, one of my favorite New York City theater companies is The Immoralists, and they um, have produced some of my just most amazing theater experiences in New York City, and recently they've shifted focus a little bit, and they started something that is a playwrights development group called The Right Club. Um, I think that's a play on Fight Club.
1: Uh. And...
0: Um, <laughs> They just have they have their first group going now, and it's for six writers annually. And during the course of the year, they develop, write, and stage two plays each, that are then um, they do basic readings of not behind stands but staged readings of um, two a night uh, by two different playwrights. And then at the end of that, the two writers sit down and they have a discussion, this is the the fight club element of it, a discussion, a debate, a a frank talk about whether they achieved their goals. And um, so it's a talk back unlike any that um, I think we've ever experienced. Uh, The Amoralists are doing a Rocket Hub campaign to raise money for this program. Um, They very recently had their first uh, right night um their next is coming up in January I do plan to go to that one I wasn't in town for the first one um I think it sounds like a fantastic program we talk about playwriting development processes here in New York City a lot and how difficult it is to break into that space I think more playwright development um, opportunities is a great thing for New York City's theater community and so if you have the means to give a small donation I think this would be a fantastic one to participate in Anybody else have one they want to mention? Sure.
1: Um, So this is a little different in that um, it's not a company that I'm directly familiar with, but I really like the project that they're working on, which is um, the Boston Theater Company, which is from Mm. my hometown of Boston, Mm -hmm. uh, but started after I left the city. So I've never seen their work. Um, They are currently um, raising money on Indiegogo for a play they're putting on called Finish Line, which is a documentary piece um, about the Boston Marathon of 2013 um, when the bombing happened. Um, they've already interviewed over 85 people um, whose words are being incorporated into the show. Um, they've been doing educational workshops um, with schools and with Boys and Girls Clubs um, and have a bunch of connections to the Boys and Girls Clubs of, of Massachusetts. So that makes me really happy. Um, it just, it's, uh, I just think its it's, the best kind of use of theater in a community um, to, to tell real stories about um, an event that really deeply impacted um, all of the people making the theater, seeing the theater. um, And, and then having that further extend out through educational programs, it's like everything that I love about regional theater. Um, So you can find them on Indiegogo. Um, You can also follow Boston theater company on Twitter.
0: Cool. And I'll make sure we include links to these in the web page um, with this episode. Anything else?
1: Well, after
2: you give on Tuesday, you should watch The Wiz Live on Thursday,
0: <laughs>
2: which I'm so excited about. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so great. I keep watching all of the little like previews and the makings of and they have this cool little meme that's going around where you can say like there's no place like and then insert, you know. I I put Cali because I'm from California, but a lot of my friends have done it as well. And then it just says like the whiz live in the corner, which actually has sparked people asking me whether or not I'm in it, which, (laughs) you know, I will absolutely take that as a compliment. Um, But no, I'm very excited about it. I think the cast is awesome. And I think this is one of the I mean, I was excited for all of the other ones they did. But this one, I feel like I'm excited and it's going, my expectations are going to be met. I have more hope for this. I think It looks really good, guys. Yeah.
1: Like, not not like it'll be fun to make fun of. Like, right. it'll just be fun to enjoy. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, the people, because the people in it are people that I think we've all seen perform at one point or another and we know that Lisa can sing and also The Wiz, like, yes, it's absolutely about the acting, but everyone loves the music in that show and it's a really fun show and I think... All of those people who are involved, even including um the this you know, new discovery who's gonna be playing Dorothy, all just seem extremely talented. And the costumes that I've seen so far, oh my I God, mean yeah.
1: the, the making of um special you can watch now streaming online and yes. it's really worth it. It's really fun. You get to see a lot of it. And also one of the things that I don't know if you noticed this, hmm. unlike the other live musicals, this one they all seem to be staged like it's on a stage right um which i think was on purpose because the idea with the whiz is that they're going to now bring this production to broadway next year mm-hmm. um but i also think that it it just looks like they have rethought some of the things that didn't work about the past couple mm-hmm. um and it just looks really 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 good yeah
2: it does i'm very excited i'm just like I feel like I've been organizing my December around (laughs) this, like this moment with these people. So, and I actually, I know in the making of, they showed the audition process and I was there in that ridiculously long line. So I'm like, this has got (laughs) to be great. So
0: yeah, it's going to be awesome. Cool. Yeah. And that's something to look forward to this week. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to buy a ticket. It's available for you. Yes. (laughs) On TV. yeah, Awesome. Something we can all participate in. Yes. All right. Well, I mentioned this already, but we are taking listener questions for our year-end episode. So if you have any questions that you are dying to ask our contributors, nothing's off the table. Send them via Twitter or Facebook or, again, the email, lindsay at com. And as far as scheduling goes... Um, I cannot promise there will be an episode next week because we are in preparations for the year end. So we'll probably have a skipped week and then the year end episode will be broken into two parts like we did last year. And, and then it'll be january and then it'll be january crazy. january festivals time oh the God. best time of year
1: can you believe we've been doing this for two years it's crazy wow.
0: it's super crazy all right well thank you guys so much and Yay. this is your inaugural episode oh thank Thanks
2: you for joining. yeah that's of course fun. thank you for having me it's Absolutely. awesome good
0: yeah. all right that's a wrap Woo-hoo. thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the maximum podcast if you enjoyed what you heard please visit us on iTunes and leave a rating and a review. As always, you can find us on Twitter. Maximu is at M-A-X-A-M-O-O. David is at It's DeLevy, I-T-S-D-L-E-V-Y. Shivana is at Arts in Color, A-R-T-S-I-N-C-O-L-O-R. And I'm Lindsay Barons at L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-B-A-R-E-N-Z. We'll see you in two weeks with our final year-end episode.